The Shep Naz Podcast begins now. You're listening to the Shep Nas Podcast. Here at Shepherd Church, everything we do here is to connect our community in a meaningful relationship with Christ. I'm Joe. I'm your guest host today. Today, we have with me again, Greg Bixler from Design Outreach. Yesterday's episode, we talked a little bit about the origins of Design Outreach and kind of Greg's background today. We're going to look a little more into what the current status is for the Design Outreach ministry and what he has in mind for the future. So thank you once again for coming in, Greg. Uh, truth be told, this is just a continuation of what we were doing, but it is over onto another day now. So welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as we left off yesterday, um, you you kind of closed with uh, Matthew seven twelve, uh, and tell us a little bit about how that is kind of maybe your foundational or your kind of your life verse for your organization and what that means for you moving forward. Absolutely. It's, it's really, it's really foundational and, and just thinking about our core values as an organization, faith, compassion, excellence, and collaboration and using it as a test, a litmus test for us to know is this good enough? You know, where where is the end? What is good enough? And for us, it comes down to, if it's not good enough for me and my three kids, why should it be good enough for you and your three kids? Sure. And it comes down to things like, uh, if, I, if I put in a water system, let's just say a water pump, and I know that it's only going to work maybe 10 months a year due to uh, the seasonality of the well getting too deep for the pump, or the pump breaking down, can I say with a clear conscience that 10 months a year is a good thing when I have an option to do it for 12 months a year? And also knowing what is the impact on that community between 10 months a year and 12 months a year, which by the way, typically pumps do the 10 month a year thing. Right. And, and what that means is for two months a year, maybe one month a year, we'll just give it the benefit of the doubt, Kids are going back to the crocodile-infested river. They're drinking the cholera-filled water. They're not carrying enough water to have a garden during the dry season, which means they go hungry. Um, These are all things that I've tragically seen with my own eyes, communities that suffer needlessly. And we, we fully believe this is God's ministry. I didn't start design outreach. Abe didn't start design outreach. God started design outreach, and we just work for God. And we work for the boss who has everything. Right. And the boss who has everything would not go tell us to do something and then not equip us to do it. And and what I mean by that is um, often the excuse of not doing things the best possible way is that it's just cheaper, you know, to do something else or there's not enough money. And so we, we also adopt what we call the abundance mentality. Um, it's, it's the opposite of the scarcity mentality. Okay. Um, often churches, ministries adopt scarcity mentality, and we have to fight against that, to be honest. But the abundance mentality is uh, we start by asking God what he wants us to do. That's, that's a scary question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, then the second question after you know he answers that is asking God how he's going to do it. <laughs> See the difference? Sure. The difference, uh, the, the, the opposite is a scarcity mentality is starting with, 
looking at our pot of money, looking at our pie, looking at how big it is, and then figuring out what we can do with that, which right. often leads to something's better than nothing attitude. It often leads to not really solving problems or not really fully satisfying anyone. You know, if you have 100 people and you have one pie, you know, blueberry pie, cherry pie, pumpkin pie, nobody's really going to be happy if everybody gets a sliver, one hundredth of a pie. It's barely a taste. Instead, you know, people need a good slice. I mean, I'm a big fan of pumpkin pie. I want a big slice. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, you know, we really adopt the abundance mentality, which takes a lot of faith. Well, I, I think you've just it kind of keyed on to something right there, is that if we're not willing to do something that's beyond the means that we can see in front of us, how much faith does it really take? If I know that I have this amount of resources and I say I can do this with this amount of resources, then I'm only working within what I have right in front of me. And so what you're challenging us to do is to say, instead, look at what it should be And regardless of what you have in your resources, recognize that the one that provides for us has all the resources and that what you have in front of you may be only a portion of the resource that he's going to make available. But unless we're faithful to step out and do what he says, we'll never see the rest of it come in. We'll continue to be just funded with that that's right in front of us and never see what happens when we take that step of faith. Is that where you're hitting that? There are so many God stories. One day, if we ever slow down, we're going to start writing these down. (laughs) Um, There are so many God stories of God delivering just in time. Uh, Stories from when we need a partner to help manufacture something and we don't have any money but it turns out that, the, that the, the company, for example, the president of the company says, we want to get involved because we believe in your mission. Um, or the donor who just unexpectedly walks up to your front door and gives you a check far bigger than you can imagine. Or if you have a, an issue that you need the world's expert in something, and that person just happens to fall in your, in your lap. Um, I think that there there are so many God stories uh, around design outreach, and it's because we're um, we're not writing checks we can't cash. Right. You know, that's that's not excellent stewardship. <laughs> right. But also, excellent stewardship is not having the scarcity mentality and being afraid that God won't do what He's asking you to do. It's having faith, and we often tell the story of our life is this like really linear progression, you know. I was born, I graduated, I got a job, I started a family, like whatever, right? That typical story. And it's like one good thing after another, we just keep going up the hill. More likely, if each of us examine our own life story, it's way messier than that. It looks like a roller coaster that would make even the best roller coaster rider sick. (laughs) It's up and down, up and down. And and we've seen these these mountaintop moments. and, And sometimes in the same day, we see the valley. You know, it's... It's like some wonderful, awesome news comes in, and then some terrible thing happened that we're like, okay, what are we going to do now? You know, whether it's a it's a person thing, or if it's a technical thing, or if it's whatever that is. Um, 
And, and what it does is by having a vision beyond our resources, it requires us to be on our knees, depending on God, praying intentionally. Um, we, we strive to be intentional prayer warriors. You know, we can pray like, God, please give me a good day. You know, God, you know, please, uh, you know, help me in this exam, whatever it is. Right, right. right. Those are not bad, right? But how do you know if he ever answers those prayers? Sure. Okay, well, I didn't get hit by a bus driving to do this podcast, so does that mean I'm having a good day? Right. Well, yeah, you could say that, but that doesn't really that doesn't really show God's amazing power in our life. You know, and and often we, you know, we're not tempting the Lord, but we're saying Okay, God, if you put in our mind a vision to put in a thousand life pumps in three years, when we set out that vision, it, it didn't it wasn't like a billion life pumps, right? And it right. wasn't ten. Right. It was a vision beyond our resources. Um and and we and we are in the middle of seeing how God is doing that. So you mentioned uh the thousand life pump vision. Uh, tell our listeners about that, what the current progress is, and, and where, where you are as far as milestones on that. We set up about, uh, out about a year ago on this vision, and we call it the Catalyst Campaign. And the idea was that we would take our life pump technology, which is currently in 10 countries. We've been working with a lot of different ministry partners in different places. But then we set up our own office in Malawi, Africa. We have a satellite office in Zambia. And we had a vision that we would get a thousand pumps out worldwide, and most of those through Malawi, and quite a few through Zambia, and some through Zimbabwe. So in that region of Africa, and this was a, a big increase over what we had done in the past—a um, big increase because the first nearly ten years was development of the life pump, and then a five-year pilot of the life pump to mm-hmm. get national acceptance. So it's been about a ten-year journey. Now I just have to say. You guys definitely sound like engineers. <laughs> this is this is engineering 101 here. Right. It takes a lot longer than than you think it should. Right. Okay. But we we spent the first 5 years figuring out how to do it and that's really typical with anything of any complexity. You know, you build, you you design, you iterate, you learn, you fail, you try again and we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we took our first pumps to Malawi, Africa in 2013, and and that's we're now celebrating our 10-year anniversary of our first life pumps installed. Wonderful. Which is a huge praise, and, and we're, we're actually making a documentary to commemorate that this year. It's, it's, an, it's a huge milestone. The community is just praising the Lord. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The power of prayer, it's not just people in America. It's people in a lot of countries <laughs> praying for sure. what we're doing. Um, yeah, so... Well, um, now that you've mentioned, you know, you've been doing this since 2013, uh, I'll put you on the spot for some numbers, I guess, and just give me your best guess. I won't know if they're right or not. Um, Like, so how many, give us an idea how many pumps are out there now and like, um, you know, how how you've seen this now impacting communities uh, because of it being out there for so long. So we anticipate having 350 life pumps installed by the end of this year. Um, currently, and don't quote me on this, we have about 250 installed. And so um, 
we have another hundred that are on their way that Lord willing will be installed by the end of this year, already manufactured, um, shipped, communities identified. We've really scaled up in the last few years. So as I was kind of alluding to, you know, five years develop, developing life pump, five years piloting life pump, and then the, the, the switch flipped. And, and now that the life pump is now nationally recognized by the countries of Malawi and Zambia, now there's a growing demand for life pump. So we made the mistake by, I should say, it's not really a mistake, but we told the government that these pumps could last five years without any maintenance, thinking that they would look at our you know, engineering stuff saying accelerated life data. <laughs> right. Instead, they said, no, we just want to watch it for five years, <laughs> which is actually a very smart thing. Um, so it took us five years of basically monitoring these pumps. Um, and in the last 12 months has really been a ramp up because of the national acceptance, um, the the flexibility and freedom to put in pumps across these countries anywhere that the communities need them. Um, we really kicked in the high gear fundraising efforts around the thousand pump campaign. And so by the end of this year, we're expecting about 350 pumps installed. And, and Lord willing, we'll see the rest of the thousand, you know, because everything it's, it's, you know, fundraising's in progress, manufacturing's in progress, implementation's in progress. Um, by the end of the, the three years, we're, Lord willing, we're anticipating all thousand to be funded and in process of being installed. Wonderful. Now, you had mentioned that, you know, it's getting national acceptance. Um, has that put you in a spot where you've, You've had to meet with government leaders where you've uh, interacted with them in order to make this available to them or to get their approval for it. How has that worked? We've worked quite a bit with government officials. These are people within what's called the Ministry of Water in different countries. Um, and, and we've actually been recognized as one of the best NGOs working with government officials. So officially in countries, the government officials are in charge of the water supply. And so they work with all the different NGOs, the non-governmental organizations to do so. Uh, and we've been recognized as one of the best who keeps the government informed of what we're doing and, and we're um, following their procedures and regulations and so forth, which is not typical for a lot of ministries. A lot of ministries kind of break the rules, <laughs> which is not, I think, <laughs> not, what Jesus would have wanted. Um, and these are good rules. These are not bad things. Um, and so as part of that, this last year, last June... Um, I was invited, my wife and I, who were in Malawi with our family for a, a period of time, uh, along with our regional director, Dr. Beatrice Chisenga, we uh, were invited to the state house, which is where the president lives and, and of the president of Malawi lives. And, and we were invited to a meeting with President Chukwera and the Minister of Water. Uh, and we got to share about what God's doing in Malawi through design outreach. Wonderful. Um, the president, President Chukwera, is a former pastor. Uh, loves the Lord, um, is well known for that. And and he may be the only president, the only head of state in the world that you can pray with in an official meeting. It was It's quite remarkable. Um, Wonderful. The meeting was supposed to be about 20 minutes long. You know, he's very busy running a country. Sure, sure. Um, it, it lasted almost an hour because he kept asking us questions about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And And at the end, he said he was very encouraged and they had hope for his country, which has so many problems. Um, and so that was that was a real milestone moment in all of this. Just sure, just being able to meet um, 
with him and, and continue to get that recognition internationally as a leader. Um, our vision is not just creating technologies, but changing status quo and doing it so that communities uh, build trust with the mission organizations so that when the gospel is being shared, and, and we'll get into that later, I know, mm-hmm. that people are are coming to the events, they're coming to the Lord, that they're reading the literature that's being left behind the Bibles, and, and, they're, and they're truly being transformed spiritually. Join Shepherd Church for Revival Services, April 23rd through 26th, with Jeremiah Bullock. You can only see who you are. The riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. And then He demonstrated in how He raised Jesus from the dead. And we're not talking about just raising Jesus. We're talking about a a, a Jesus who took on the sin of the world and literally became everything that made us undesirable and unlovable and rebellious. Like on the cross, Jesus became the worst of humanity. When God forgives you, he literally takes what was you, puts it on Jesus, and it got punished on the cross. Jesus got everything you deserved. And the beauty of redemption is that the murderer, he's no longer a murderer. For more information, visit shepnez.org slash revival 2023. You had mentioned, I mean, we know this is not just a technology venture, but that this is also a means by which you want to be able to spread the gospel. So um, you, you've gone from solving a very practical problem and in very much a Christ-like way, you know, he was, he was willing to meet the needs that he saw when he was moved by compassion. He would heal the blind person. He would heal the lame. And then in many cases would say, and go and sin no more. So there was, there was a message behind the tangible that he was doing. There was a spiritual component. So tell us about the spiritual component with design outreach. You know, honestly, since the very beginning, we would call ourselves a Christian organization. But the question is, what does that actually mean? You know, right. organizations can't be Christians. You know, design outreach is not going to heaven. <laughs> so it's people within right, that organization. Right. And what do, we, what do we do? And what does that mean? And these were questions. Maybe this is my engineering mind taking over. You know, what, is, what does a Christian organization actually mean? Uh, is it, does it mean, well, we always have morning prayer time? Does it mean that we're passing out Bibles? Like, what does it mean? So we had to define that as an organization and see what are best practices, what's working, what works best for us. Um, we were very much rooted in uh, depending on the Lord and, and doing our work, but we're also very intentional about how we share the gospel around with the people that are either working as volunteers with us. We have dozens of volunteers and, and lots of partner organizations. How do we share the gospel within those teams? And then how do we share the gospel in the communities that we get to serve in? Um, and, and so in the communities, uh, we, in the beginning, we, we originally set out and, and basically said, hey, let's, let's do what we do best, which is engineering, and let's collaborate with gospel partners, gospel proclaimers, um, organizations that they just need a better tool so that they can solve a problem. So when you go to a community and, and you can't solve a problem, you know, in other words, let's just keep talking about water here. <laughs> right. Community suffering, they need water. Um, the leadership is begging for a pump, but you can't put a pump in because your technology won't go deep enough. You can't say, well, here's some Bibles anyways. <laughs> right, right. 
and, we'll, and we'll be very effective. Right, right. And that's kind of what happens in a lot of places. And so, you know, we, but what we recognized was um, sometimes organizations weren't doing as good of a job as we thought they could in sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we felt once again the Lord calling us and saying, hey, design outreach, maybe you should take a more active role in this. And I remember very distinctly, it was about uh, four years ago, um, I was in a community in Malawi that had had a life pump for a few years. And uh, previous to that, our, our field director had shared with me that um, she had uh, started inviting, you know, through our direction, uh, pastors to come to communities and share the gospel um, with a gospel like rally event. You know, so they, they would bring in like a praise band and a preacher and they do dramas. And, and I kept getting these reports that dozens of people are coming to Christ. Okay. And I was amazed and maybe even a little skeptical, right? Because you don't have that experience in America. Okay, maybe Shepnaz. Like, <laughs> you guys show me the secret recipe. Here. Right, right. I haven't seen that in America. And I was curious, excited, and I wanted to see it for myself. And so I was over on a, a short trip, and and we set it up in this community where we'd had we had this flatbed truck praise band from a local, basically a local city. You mm-hmm. know, they they brought in their own equipment, their own generator, the whole shebang. Um, local preacher, we drive in. It's a little bit. We're a little bit after the event has started, and, and this is this is a, such a pivotal moment. I even have have a a display on my wall in my office from from this event, where we drove in in our Land Cruiser, and uh, the people met us, and and they're singing and dancing as we're coming in, which is always super embarrassing maybe is the right word or I, I don't want the attention it's not about right, it's right. not about the foreigners coming but right. it's how they show their appreciation right um, so we always want to give credit to God we drive in they have a line of chairs about 10 chairs plastic chairs probably the only 10 chairs in the whole village um, they built this like temporary lean-to shelter for us azungus they that's what they call foreigners to, <laughs> to sit in in the, in the shade and meanwhile there's about three four hundred people who are sitting on the ground and when they were playing the worship praise music, um, they were singing and dancing and having a great time. And I'm looking around, just kind of absorbing it all in. And I look down on my right, and and there's like four village chiefs there. There's like different ranks of chiefs. So you have like little chiefs and big chiefs. And the big chief was at the end. And and I'm looking at the other end, and, and the pastor who was going to preach, he he also knew, knew English, knows English. So I, I got up, and I went down to him, and, and I, I basically just asked, you know, like, Wow, these people must all be believers because just the way they're reacting to the praise and worship music, it was stuff that you and I would recognize. Right, right. And uh, and and right away he's like, no, no, no. There's there's a lot of bad stuff going on here. He's like a lot of witchcraft, a lot of voodoo, a lot of polygamy. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> like this doesn't add up now. So I go back to sure. my seat, and the pastor gets up and he shares the gospel. And I, I've now been to, to numerous events like this where he's sharing the gospel or another pastor is in, in a very like culturally appropriate way. And, and when, when, you know, the foreigners are there, they translate it in English, but they're sharing it in a local language and, um, you know, telling from, you know, anything from, you know, woman at the well to the rich man and Lazarus to, you know, various applications. And, um, and he gives this, this amazing sermon and, and, and then there's an altar call and people came up in dozens to the front their arms up, saying they wanted to give their life to Christ. Amen. And I'm sitting there kind of stunned. <laughs> um, and, and, and all of a sudden, it, it, I felt like, it, you know, this may sound crazy to some of our listeners, and this, I think this is the only time this ever happened to me. 
I felt like God had this like spotlight on me that no one else could see. And this like this like internal thought, maybe a voice saying, pay close attention right now because what's happening here is affecting eternity. And and I remember very clearly this thought of God saying in my mind, this what is what's happening here um, would not have happened had you not taken those small steps of faith all those years. Amen. Now, this is not about me. Right. This is not about Greg Bixler. This is about Greg Bixler taking these steps of faith. And I could tell you lots of lots of scrapes and bumps that we had along the way. You know, maybe even worse sometimes. Well, and it's about those individuals that went forward that night. I'm going to meet them in heaven one day. Amen. I am so excited to get to heaven. And there's going to be random African dudes. <laughs> I remember you. <laughs> and that's going to, I, 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 I think it's going to be amazing. And, and so at that moment, you know, God's saying, if you hadn't been faithful in starting to work on this pump and being intentional through the hard times and persevering and not taking no for an answer and adjusting when you need to and um, praying a lot, wearing out your knees, right? right? If you hadn't done all those things, this whole thing would not be happening. This whole event would not be happening right now. And this event, um, at the moment, is very easy to do, relatively speaking, in countries like Malawi. Sure. So immediately after that event, I go back to our team, and I'm like, we got to do this everywhere. Well, <laughs> everywhere we put in a pump, we got to do this. And so we we really leaned in. And, and now we've done this. We, we've, we've been doing it ever since. Uh, we pass out Bibles. We pass out storybook Bibles that are written in local language and, and the reading level that's appropriate. Um, I've met people who, who come up to me like a year, a year later after a gospel event like that, telling me that they've given their life to Christ, that they've turned away from drugs, that they, um, that, that, that they were sleeping around and they quit doing, like all sorts of crazy stories. So what that means is... In the next three years, you're going to have 650 mini revivals going on. Amen. And you know what? This could change quickly. There's a lot of closed countries around the world. Right now, Malawi is very open to this. Without getting into all the details, that could, ha- that could change in 10 years. Sure, sure. I think there is an immediate need for this. And, and the thing also about that community that I described in the with this God moment, is that that pump had been in there for about three years. If it had been a typical pump, it would have been broken down at least twice in that period of time. Um, when our leadership went to the community's leadership and said, hey, we'd like to come here and share the gospel, I'm pretty certain they would have said no. Sure. Because why? There was not trust built. Right. You let us down. You let us down. And I think that's incredibly important for everyone to understand that um, doing things with excellence helps build trust and and the intentionality of sharing the gospel. That's what drives and motivates us in everything we do. Amen. So um, we kind of know where you're headed over the next three years. Let's fast forward um, five, ten years. What? What's the big vision? What's, what's coming up next? What are the things that you have in mind? God's given us a very big vision from the very beginning, and we've been very intentional of not losing sight of that vision. 
We also knew that Life Pump was the main thing that we're known for, and we wanted to completely solve that, work out all the bugs, get it adopted into the world, write publications, make sure that people are hearing the gospel. You know, we wanted to make sure that was being done with excellence. Uh, but at the same time, we also knew that, that we had this amazing think tank of engineers working alongside of us, and the vision was not just to create a product and push this one product out into the world, but create a process of developing appropriate technologies and working with missionaries in various capacities around the world. So in, in a few of the areas that we've felt called to work in had, have been things at the bottom of the pyramid of needs. You know, water is at the bottom of the pyramid of needs, but also things like proper hygiene and sanitation. So we were asked a, a few years ago to look at a project on latrines. So these are like pit toilets um, and rethink how pit toilets are being made with regards to the liner system that goes in the ground. So you dig a hole. Um, the, the soil is very sandy. Uh, the walls want to cave in. So you have to put some sort of liner in there. And traditionally, if you have the money, you put bricks in. But bricks are becoming more and more scarce. And it's not because there's a lack of dirt. <laughs> right. The issue is uh, th to make bricks, these are homemade bricks that are made with uh, homemade kilns. They require firewood to cook the bricks. Okay. And deforestation is a huge problem in developing countries. And so we're trying to get away from these bricks that are necessary for these kinds of structures. And they're, they're hard to make. They're hard to move. Um, and then when the pit fills up, people don't want to go and clean out the pit. And so they end up just abandoning it and going back to open defecation. So the challenge was, can you create a low-cost, um, easily transportable uh, pit liner to go into the bottom of these pit latrines and also put a floor in? so that the floor is sturdy and safe. What happens if you don't have that is typically, and I've been in a lot of these latrines, and I'm six foot six, and a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of the ceilings are about five foot tall. Oh, nice. Let's just say it's not a comfortable position. <laughs> um, the latrine floors are made with sticks and mud packed together in the wet season where it rains about half the year. That floor gets soft, and it's not uncommon for the floor to break and people oh fall my. through into the pit. And, and in some cases, people have died from being buried alive. Um, so there's a that, huge stigma. That is This is not how you want to go, description. Joe. No. This is not how you want to go. <laughs> um, and it's the reality. So, so instead, people just don't use them. And so then you have this, like, disease flying around. Flies flying on the, the human waste. It, it, they land in your bucket. Cholera is a huge problem in Malawi right now. And it's not just Malawi. It's developing countries. These, these diseases are spreading like crazy. Um, another project we've worked on a lot, and we have several of these in various countries, are what we call LifeTap, which is a self-closing water valve. So we've, we look at different kinds of applications where we can apply our engineering talent. Um, we recently, earlier this year, have officially started um, working on medical devices. So this was part of the original vision. People... Uh, desperately need medical care in developing countries. Uh, developing country hospitals have huge resource issues. One of the biggest ones is lack of reliable electricity. So most of the equipment that is found in these hospitals are donated from places like uh, the James or something. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if the James actually does, but some right. hospitals like right. that. Um, and the equipment gets there, and and it. It breaks. No one knows how to fix it. There's no replacement parts. So there's piles of broken medical equipment. So the challenge is, can we create medical equipment that's easy to use, easy to maintain, and doesn't require electricity if possible? 
So we started working on a project called the Negative Pressure Wound Therapy Device, which can help with massive wounds that people have from accidents or from surgeries, which is one of the leading causes of death in developing country hospitals. So we're working with two uh, hospitals uh, at the moment, one in Zimbabwe and one in Malawi, to help develop this device. So that's a big part. So we're, we're, we're leaning into... Uh, the bigger vision of design outreach, but not taking away from the core of what we do. So we're praying and, and adding capacity to our team. So our team is growing. Uh, we have an office in Ohio. We have a support office in Indiana now. Uh, we have an office that is, is soon to be official in England, a field support office. And we also have an office in the field in Malawi, in Zambia. And we have our sights set on Zimbabwe. Wonderful. And that's all just in the next five years Wonderful. as far as the, the, the reach and impact that we feel God's calling us to. Um, if somebody wanted to get more information about your organization, what's the best way to find out? Yeah, go to our website. Check us out there. Contact us through the website. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, there's What's your address? Uh, www.doutreach.org. Um, you can also just uh, Google Design Outreach. Okay which is probably the easier way to do it. Um, and we'd love to, to talk to you. There's, there's lots of opportunities to get involved. Uh, we, we have volunteer opportunities. Um, sometimes these are you know, administrative things that are, that are necessary. Sometimes these are super technical engineering things, which is very necessary. Uh, we ask people to partner with us financially. Uh, we, we have a lot of people who join us um, as a champion who can start a pump campaign, for example. So we, we identify communities ahead of time that are ideal candidates for Life Pump. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with that community. We do an assessment. We do forensics to make sure it's a good location for the well. And then we bring that information back to make it real for me and others around me. Sure. Because we're talking about a place where most of us will probably never visit. And it's super powerful because then once – they see that, then they can go and, and either write the check themselves, they can ask their friends and family, do small events. We've had all sorts of things. And that's, that's how God has really raised these funds for us, um, is through um, many champions who love the Lord, who want to make a difference in the world and, and make an eternal difference. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking for prayer warriors. You know, there's so many things to be praying about. Um, so everybody can get involved. Yeah. Um, and and really, it's it's uh, it, it's an opportunity to um, to make a lasting impact in another part of the world. That, to be honest, I thought I was going to build cars. Remember, <laughs> right? Well, and it kind of brings us full circle. Um, I really want to thank you for coming in and talking with us. Uh, it's been great to hear your story. It's great to hear the ministry that's going on literally around the world that started with you answering a call to using the skills and abilities that God's given you and the vision that he entrusted you with. And I know just from talking with you that you're not looking for the credit for that. You realize that it's God doing it. And so for anyone listening, you know, the challenge is take a look at where God has gifted you and given you strengths. And maybe you're able to join in efforts with Greg to help him out in his organization with Design Outreach. Maybe God is calling you in a different direction to meet another need. 
we encourage you to really follow that. And uh, if something has struck a chord with you today, uh, be sure to reach out to us. Uh, you can email podcast at shepnaz.org. Uh, you can always go on the church website at shepnaz.org. We thank you for listening to us today. It's going to do it for today's episode, and we hope that you have a great day. This podcast is a production of the Shepherd Church of the Nazarene, Gehenna, Ohio. Email to podcast at shepnaz.org and let us know what you think.